Hey everyone, welcome to this week's conversation with Dr. Stephen Ned about the body and how to fix, protect, or maintain it using outside-the-box alternative solutions. If you're a big fan of the pharmaceutical or surgical approach, you are so in the wrong place because on this podcast, we're not going to be pushing the conventional medicine methods or way of thinking about health. If you're looking for another way to live longer and healthier, join me, Ron Ned, and my brother, Dr. Stephen Ned, for this week's body chat about the plant paradox. Me? I'm a retired Twin Cities chiropractor currently helping people buy and sell homes in the Tampa Bay and Los Angeles areas. My brother has a thriving chiropractic practice in the Clearwater area of Tampa Bay, Florida. In this podcast, we're going to chat about all sorts of topics related to health, nutrition, exercise, just about everything having to do with the body. You're invited to listen into our body chat, but don't forget that neither of us is giving you health advice. So don't rush off to do something without either checking with your doctor first or seeing Dr. Steven Nett as a patient at his office. Good evening, Steve. Good evening, Ron. So this week we get to dive into a book, which is just an amazing book written by a cardiovascular surgeon who used to chop people up and do all sorts of bypass surgeries and so on, and then found out over the years that that wasn't necessarily the a best approach because it wasn't really getting to the heart of the problem. No pun intended. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about a book called The Plant Paradox, written by a Dr. Gundry. So tell us a little bit about the background of Dr. Gundry, and then we can get into the book itself. Well, Dr. Gundry definitely has a strong conventional medicine background. He started his career as a renowned cardiologist and heart surgeon and graduated with honors from one of the Ivy League schools, Yale. And then he got his medical degree at Georgia and also entered the cardiothoracic surgery program at the University of Michigan. So he had a nice, well-rounded education there. And after that, he spent 16 years as a professor of surgery and pediatrics in cardiothoracic surgery, and he was also head of cardiothoracic surgery at Loma Linda University School of Medicine. And while he was there, he saw tens of thousands of patients with all kinds of health issues, including cardiovascular disease, cancer, autoimmune conditions, diabetes, and obesity. Now, in addition to being a physician, Dr. Gundry is also a medical researcher, and he's invented all kinds of devices used to protect the heart during heart surgery. He, along with his former partner, performed more infant and pediatric heart transplants than anyone else in the world. Didn't know that. Yeah. He also holds multiple patents on medical devices, and he's authored more than 300 articles published in medical journals on using diet and supplements to eliminate heart disease, diabetes, autoimmune disease, and many other diseases. Very impressive. Yes. So... What did Dr. Gundry find that changed his direction from cardiovascular surgery to treating people with changing their diet? Well, I mean, he tried to do all the things that were considered healthy, like working out in the gym a lot and following various diets. But then he finally turned his own health around by going from obese to slim by his own research and his own diet. And by doing so, he realized that he can also reverse heart disease with diet instead of surgery. Wow. Yeah. So he ended up stunning his colleagues by leaving his prestigious conventional medical position. And he went on to establish what's called the International Heart and Lung Institute. And within that, 
the Center for Restorative Medicine, which is located near your neck of the woods in Palm Springs and Santa Barbara, California. Wow. Yeah, it's on either side of me. Mm-hmm. He then wrote the bestseller, Dr. Gundry's Diet Evolution, and this described the changes his heart, diabetic, obese, and other numerous patients experienced on his diet plan. And this book is great. It changed the lives of hundreds of thousands of readers, but Dr. Gundry didn't rest on his laurels. He didn't stop there because he wanted to know the real reasons why his diet actually worked. So he used his research skills and he looked at his patients' histories, physical conditions, and specialized lab tests and noticed that there were these very striking patterns that caused him to tinker with his original diet. And what he was trying to do was find out, well, what caused his patients to be ill and overweight in the first place? And what he really wanted to know was which of the foods on his good list restored their health and more importantly, which of the bad eliminated foods had been part of the problem in the first place. Okay. And then also he wanted to find other factors other than dietary changes that were also playing a role. So he answered all these questions and they're all found and culminated in the Plant Paradox book. That's great. So that's how that came about. Yeah. Okay. Now, one of the things that he talks about in the book is something called a lectin, L-E-C-T-I-N. What is that? And how did that come about? Or how did those actually end up being made? Well, a lectin is a common and potentially toxic plant-based protein that's found in grains as well as many fruits, vegetables, nuts, beans, and conventional dairy products. It's not found in naturally occurring dairy because, well, it just depends on what they eat. If they're eating grass and other grains, if they're grain-fed in particular that contain these things, that's how they get into the dairy. A good example is the notorious gluten, which is one type of lectin that pretty much all of us are now familiar with. Now, you see lectins serve an important purpose in nature as far as plant survival is concerned. They're found in the seeds, grains, skins, rinds, and leaves of plants to protect them from being eaten by predators such as insects, animals, and humans. So what are the effects lectins have on the body? They can cause so much trouble. Well, you know, the first time I actually heard the word lectin was when I read the book Eat Right for Your Type by Dr. Peter Diadamo a little over 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And his research showed that the lectins in foods react differently with different blood types, causing your red blood cells to stick together in the bloodstream, as well as in many organs. And that leads to various health issues, especially inflammation. So that was the first time I actually got a taste of it. But then, you know, Dr. Gundry studied lectins also, and he took this subject to a whole new level. He explains that by design regarding survival, plant lectins either kill any animal that dares to eat it outright, or at the very least makes that animal feel unwell. So insects and animals are instinctive en enough to learn quickly not to continue eating these plants that make them feel bad and they leave them alone, right? Mm -hmm. And our ancestors actually developed a number of ways to deal with lectins, but unfortunately, modern people don't pay attention to their bodies as well as they did. So let's say we eat something that doesn't agree with us or it makes us sick. We tend to take medications such as stomach acid reducers or painkillers so that we can continue to eat these substances like lectins that are designed to destroy, cause pain, or even weakness at the least. Now, Dr. Gundry outlines a three-pronged approach showing how lectins actually attack the body once they enter it. I thought it would be cool to go over these three things. All right. So the first thing they do is they tend to pry apart the tight junctions in your intestines causing leaky gut syndrome, and that allows lectins, toxins, and microorganisms like bacteria, viruses, and yeast 
to enter the bloodstream as well as the surrounding tissues that includes your lymph nodes and glands. And because lectins are almost identical to other proteins in the body, they create a condition called molecular mimicry in which the immune system is fooled, causing it to attack the body's own proteins, leading to autoimmune conditions, which we covered on a previous podcast. Correct. And then after that, they disrupt communication between your cells by mimicking or blocking hormonal signals, as well as giving wrong information, which can be devastating to the body. And the best example I can give is the fact that wheat germagglutinin mimics insulin. And so it attaches to insulin receptors on your fat cells, causing you to store more fat, attaches to the receptors on your muscle cells, leading to muscle wasting, and also on receptors on nerve and brain cells, which eventually causes nerves and brain cells to die, resulting in dementia, Parkinson's disease, and peripheral nerve damage, which is also known as neuropathy. Okay. Well, that's pretty extensive as far as the effects that it can have on the body. So with all of that going on, what are the most common ailments people have that are most likely caused by or made worse by a lectin-rich diet? Well, obviously, the first one that it tends to lead to is leaky gut syndrome, uh, which we just mentioned. And leaky gut syndrome creates a domino effect, as we learned about in episode 26 when we covered leaky gut syndrome in detail. This leads to many potential autoimmune conditions, especially Crohn's disease and celiac disease. Now, celiac disease is specifically caused by eating the lectin gluten, which causes inflammation in the small intestine. And as a result, the immune system attacks the small intestine, making this an autoimmune disease. Mm -hmm. And it's also safe to say that all autoimmune conditions are affected by lectin intake since all of them have a leaky gut and inflammation connection, which we've covered in the past too. That's correct. Now, Dr. Gundry gives some great success stories of patients in his book with autoimmune conditions who followed his program, and they actually overcame their disease. And I especially like the one about the college student who had Crohn's disease and was being treated unsuccessfully by a gastroenterologist who was also a professor at Mayo Clinic. Remember that? Nope. Why don't you tell us about that? Okay, so what happened is she followed his approach, and after just two weeks, she had her first normal bowel movement of her life and stayed normal after that. But when she told her her hotshot doctor about her success, he chalked it up to being a placebo effect because diet has nothing to do with Crohn's, and her cure was all in her mind. Hmm. So she got really upset about this and went home and ate two Christmas cookies with her mother and was up all night that night with cramps and diarrhea. Of course. Yeah. So after learning her lesson, she went back on the Plant Paradox program and has been fine ever since. So Dr. Gundry remarked after this about how this closed-minded doctor probably doesn't even know what lectins are, and even if he did, that doesn't mean that he understood the implications of what lectins can do to the body. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, obesity is another condition that tends to occur from the lectins in wheat, especially, again, from that one we talked about earlier, wheat germ agglutinin. Right. And then the list of success stories of conditions the Plant Paradox program has helped also includes arthritis, cancer, heart disease, dementia, diabetes, migraines, multiple sclerosis, rheumatoid arthritis, and even Lou Gehrig's disease. I know. Amazing. I know. There's like nothing you can do for Lou Gehrig's disease and he helped somebody. It basically arrested it and the guy was able to continue to function. Yeah, I think between that and then heavy metal toxicity and handling that would probably be the two things that would most likely help that type of condition. That's right. 
All right. Well, what are a few examples of foods with lectins that we don't generally handle very well? So these are the foods in the Plant Paradox book on the just say no list of lectin containing foods. And these are broken down into various categories. And yes, many of these foods, especially the lectin containing fruits and vegetables are normally classified as healthy. And they're actually a staple of almost all other diets, which say that they're fine to eat in abundance. So when a lot of times when people first look at this, they're just completely shocked because this goes against everything they've learned. Yeah. So I'll just go ahead and give a few examples, but it's best to get the book and use it as your precise reference when following this approach. Absolutely. So the first category is refined starchy foods, and that would include pasta, rice, potatoes, milk, bread, cereal, sugar, and artificial sweeteners. None of those are too surprising. Even a lot of other diets have people eliminate or reduce their intake of those. That's very true. But then there's vegetables. Okay. So the ones you really need to avoid are what are called legumes, and those include peas, beans, sprouts, lentils, and soy. I'm not real upset about the sprouts part, I hate to tell you, but... That was never one of those on my list that gets me excited that I jump out of bed in the morning and go, oh, good, I get to eat some sprouts today. Uh, I can handle uh, bean sprouts, but alfalfa sprouts are pretty icky. Yes, that's right. Okay, so those are the legumes. And what one thing people don't know, peanuts and cashews are also legumes. That's correct. So that's on the next topic, which is nuts and seeds which most people think that peanuts and cashews are, but they are legumes. Mm -hmm. And the other nuts and seeds would be pumpkin, sunflower, chia seeds also. Yep. And that's wild because chia is really popular today because they're high in omega-3 fatty mm -hmm. acids, but their lectin content outweighs any benefit. Now fruits, another one uh, you know, that's the shocking. So in addition to melons and goji berries... The rest of these are actually fruits, but most people think of them as vegetables, and they are, now brace yourselves, <laughs> cucumbers, zucchini, pumpkins, squashes, and the nightshades, which include eggplant, tomatoes, and peppers. That's right. Anything that's got seeds. Yep. And skin. Skin and seeds. Yep. Okay. There's also milk products. Now, um, before you go on, one okay. of the things is that of the tomatoes... There are different types of tomatoes. And from what he said, if you really have to have a tomato, you should get Roma tomatoes and you should remove the skin and the seeds. That's true. And he also recommended heirloom tomatoes too. Okay. Yeah. With no skin or seeds. With no skin or seeds. Yeah. The Italians have gotten it right forever. When they make their pasta tomato sauce, they always take the tomato and put it in boiling water for a short time to help the skin be removed easily. And then they cut the seeds out too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. And then the milk products in particular, cow's milk, yogurt, including Greek yogurt, ice cream, frozen yogurt, and cheeses like ricotta and cottage cheese that are not on the acceptable foods list. So there are actually cheeses that are acceptable too. Correct. And as far as milk and milk products, milk isn't a hundred percent banned. It's a certain type of milk. Are you going to be going into that? Yeah, that would be the non-Southern European cows that contain the protein casein A1. Okay. So is that the bad or the good? That's the bad. Okay. Yep. So we don't want A1. 
No, we'll leave that for steak sauce. So for your milk, you want A2. Yes. And that is actually available even in some just regular grocery stores. And it has to do with the type of cow. There's a specific type of cow that produces the A2 milk. And you're not going to get the lectins like you will in the A1 milk. So it's not you can't have milk or dairy products. It's just you have to stick with the one that's produced by the right type of cows. And make sure the cows are grass-fed and grass-finished. Right. Okay. Now, as far as grains, all gluten-containing grains, and those are wheat, rye, barley, and oat, as well as all types of rice, as well as corn, popcorn. Gosh, what are we going to do when we see a movie next time? I've actually got an answer for that. Oh, you do? Mm Mm-hmm. What's that? It's called sorghum. All right. Elsa actually has that here and you can get it from Amazon and the kernels are like little itty bitty, it looks like little itty bitty tiny pieces of popcorn, but it tastes like popcorn, but it's not, it's a lectin free type of popcorn. So it's not corn, it's sorghum. Yeah, sorghum and millet are the only two grains that contain no lectins. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then finally, there's oils. So soy, corn, peanut, safflower, sunflower, anything that says partially hydrogenated or vegetable and canola oil are no-nos. Correct. All right. So those are the things that people should avoid, or at least a few examples of them. There's actually a full list in the book, and it's very helpful what some people find useful is to just put that list on their refrigerator and make sure that they avoid those things. So... Now that we've gone through some of this, do you have to eliminate everything that tastes good or that you enjoy? I mean, is there nothing left that you'll be able to snack on or eat while you're watching a video? Well, fortunately, no, you don't have to eliminate everything that tastes good. And there's plenty of yummy foods and recipes that either have no lectins or are low in lectins or have lectins that don't produce problems. Okay. Not all lectins are harmful. Uh Yeah. All right. Well, then what are a few examples of foods that we do handle well? So in the book, these are the foods that are called the say yes, please list of acceptable foods. And the good news is that this list is significantly larger than the just say no list. It's about two to three times the size. That's great. Yeah. So I'll go through these different categories. Let's start with oils again. We just finished with the other ones. So let's start with the oils and those would be olive oil, coconut oil, MCT oil, or which is medium chain triglycerides, and that would be in particular liquid coconut oil, mm-hmm. which regular coconut oil, when it gets to a certain temperature, it's hard. And when it's below, I think it's 76 degrees. Yeah, when it's below 76 degrees, it hardens, but liquid coconut oil is always liquid. Okay. I use that one a lot. Other good oils are avocado oil and perilla oil. Excellent. Yeah. So that's some oils that we can use. Mm-hmm. What's cool is the sweeteners that he recommends are ones that we've actually recommended on previous episodes. And that includes a number one, stevia, and one called Just Like Sugar, which is made from chicory root, which also contains inulin, which is a prebiotic and a natural appetite suppressant. Mm-hmm. And also lohan and xylitol. Yeah. Very good. I know. We're on the same wavelength as him. This is good. That's right. Yeah. Uh, as far as nuts and seeds, his favorite is macadamia nuts. And I remember the first time I ever tried it was when mom and dad went to Hawaii and brought some back. And I thought, wow, that's 
that's pretty awesome. It is. Yeah. And then the other nuts would be walnuts, pistachios, pecans, coconuts, flax seeds, and hemp seeds. Now, here's one I know that you like is olives. And mm-hmm. he says all olives are good. So that's pretty awesome. That's right. And here's one that almost everybody's going to be happy about, and that's dark chocolate. But it has to be 72% or greater, and you are allowed one ounce a day. So you got to do it in moderation. Right. Pretty much all herbs and seasonings are fair game, except for chili pepper flakes, because peppers are on the bad list. Right. Well, with chili pepper flakes, it goes through your intestines so fast, there's not enough time for the lions to do much to you. (laughs) Never mind. Ow. Yeah. Jeez. Um, The different flowers that you can use include coconut, almond, and hazelnut. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a really good coconut and almond flower that I use. I know there's one else that uses that's called, I think it's cassava. That's, yeah, that one's also good too. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, so ice cream is on the list, but it has to be dairy-free. So coconut milk, ice cream, or goat milk ice cream is okay. Have you tried the one he recommends? Yes. Do you like it? Yeah. Yeah, I've had it before. The one gram of sugar? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just throw, I just throw fruit in with it. Okay. Yeah. As long as it's fruit that's on the list. That's right. Now, dairy products. Okay, so you can have one ounce of cheese or four ounces of either goat, sheep, or coconut yogurt per day. Mm -hmm. And other dairy products include butter, ghee, which is clarified butter, goat and sheep kefir. And I get that next door. I like to drink that. It's loaded with probiotics. And then also organic heavy cream, sour cream, and cream cheese is a fair game too. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. This is also going to make a lot of people happy, and that is there are certain types of alcohol that are allowed, and that includes six ounces a day of red wine and one ounce a day of various spirits. Wow. Yeah. But I would think certain ones wouldn't be because there's some that are made out of wheat and rye and rice. Well, I don't think rice was on the list, but wheat and rye definitely were. Yeah. Okay. So you just need to look into that. Okay, as far as fish, this is probably my favorite protein because I like to go fishing and I caught some snapper last weekend. Yep, I saw the picture, so it was good. Yep. So you can have four ounces per day of any wild-caught fish along with shellfish and mollusks. Very good. Yeah. Now fruit. You want to limit all of these since they're high in sugar, except for avocados. Avocados, you can have as much as you want. And when you eat fruit, they should be only when they're ripe and in season. Correct. And those include all berries, cherries, pears, apples, citrus fruits, nectarines, peaches, and plums, and apricots, figs, and dates. All right. Well, that's great because it is cherry season now, and my favorite ones are out, which is the Rainier cherries. That's right. I just have to find some that are organic because if they're not organic, they're going to have all the chemicals on them. So lectin or not, not going to be any good. Right. All right. Now, going back to uh, vegetables, pretty much all vegetables are fine, except for the legumes that we covered earlier. Mm -hmm. Resistant starches. There's actually very specific brands of tortillas and breads, as well as bagels and wraps that are made with acceptable flours, which is really, really good. And then, of course, you got your green plantains and bananas. You got your sweet potatoes and yams. One of my favorite starches is parsnips because I like to put that in my chicken soup. Mm -hmm. Mom used to do that. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you can uh, have turnips, 
green mangoes and green papayas, and the only grains, again, that have no lectins, millet, and sorghum. Very good. All right. So that is quite a few. Again, the full list is in the book, so people should get that and make a copy of it. Yeah, and I just want to add one more thing, Mm -hmm. and that is the energy bars. Okay. So you have a list of different energy bars, including Quest bars, which you can find everywhere. There's also what's called the B-Up bars, which are also known as Yup bars, and the Adapt bar. Now, the human food bar makes arguably the best of the bunch called the Marigold bars, which I'm going to check into actually ordering and carrying at the office. And what I like about these is they're lectin-free. They have prebiotics, inulin in it, no preservatives. The protein is, has grass-fed whey, and they have 20 grams of protein per bar. They only have four grams or less of sugar. They're non-GMO, and they're hormone-free, pesticide-free, antibiotic-free, and cold-processed, so they're basically perfect. Very impressive. Yeah, and they come in, I think, like four or five flavors, so... I'm going to check in to see if I can get them wholesale and we'll be able to sell them at the office because uh, they don't have them at any retail place. I, you might be able to find them on Amazon, but I think you have to buy it directly from the company right now. So I'm going to check into that this week. All right. We'll keep us updated on that. Yeah. Very good. Now, also while we're on the topic of acceptable plant paradox foods, I was unable to find any apps in the app store that list lectin-free foods at this time. But there's actually a way to download one onto your smartphone home screen, which we can include in our podcast notes. And it's actually the Say Yes, Please list of acceptable foods that we just went over. And it's from the human food bar company that makes the Marigold bars that I just spoke of. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're out shopping, you have your little list there and you can check and see which foods are acceptable. Great. All right. We'll definitely need a link for that in the podcast notes. Mm-hmm. What do the bad lectin vegetables have in common? I mean, you went over the fact that you've got the legumes like the peas, and then you've got the nightshades like the eggplant and the tomatoes. So they're two different groups, but there is something they have in common. So what is that? That's true. Well, all of the new world plants from the Americas have troublesome lectins that most of mankind has eaten for no more than 500 years, including Native Americans, who, by the way, originally came from Asia. So these plants are new to all of us. Mm -hmm. And these include the nightshades and squashes, as well as the legumes, peanuts, and cashews, and sunflower, chia, and pumpkin seeds. Okay. For your information, the Just Say No list is so named because no human being ever ate any of the foods on it until at least 10,000 years ago when man began to cultivate grains and other crops. Hmm. So up to that time, grains, pseudo-grains, and beans were not part of our forebears' diet. And an example is soybeans, which we started eating about 9,000 years ago, and corn about 7,000 years ago. Now, on the other hand, the ancient foods primarily found on the Say Yes, Please list have been eaten by man for millions of years. It is amazing. Mm -hmm. And the excellent analogy that Dr. Gundry gives about why these newer lectin foods are a problem is that in terms of evolution... Getting to know and develop an immune system tolerance to a new lectin within a 10,000-year span is like speed dating. It's just not workable. Right. That was a good analogy. I know. And this also actually clarifies the fact that not all lectins are bad, but it takes a significant amount of time, millions of years, for our bodies to handle and get used to them. Absolutely. And it was very interesting in the book also to see his explanation of what the earlier diet was, and why the change came about where grains became a staple in our diet. 
mm-hmm. maybe 10,000 years ago. Yeah. It was very interesting. It really does explain a lot. Yeah, it does. All right. So then what does Dr. Gundry suggest people do to reduce or eliminate lectins in their diet other than just watching the two lists and making sure you eat what's on the good list and avoid what's on the bad list? Well, he does this by having people follow the three phases of his program. So I'm going to go through all three of them. Okay. So phase one is a three-day cleanse, also known as a modified fast. And it's highly recommended by Dr. Gundry, but it's not mandatory. So you can actually skip it and go right into phase two. But just remember, if you skip this, the program will just take a little longer. Okay. And so the benefits of phase one are that it helps improve your gut health by restoring the balance of good and bad bacteria along with dramatically reducing inflammation. It's composed of eliminating a number of foods and making his recommended recipes along with taking the herbal laxative Swiss Chris, which you can get in any pharmacy or online, Mm -hmm. and taking various other supplements that he recommends. What I like is he likens this phase to your body being like a garden, and this is the weeding phase, the initial weeding phase. Ah, that's a great description of it. Yeah. So then phase two directly follows phase one and takes about six weeks since that's about how long it takes for most people to change their ingrained habits and addictions, which is not easy to do quickly, as you probably know. He calls this the repair and restore phase, and this is where you follow to a T the say yes, please list of acceptable foods, and as well as the just say no list of lectin-containing foods. Right. And then phase three, which directly follows phase two, is where you reap the rewards of the program. Mm-hmm. And unlike the first two phases, this one doesn't have a duration, but instead it's a lifestyle that you stay on indefinitely with the purpose of living longer and healthier. And, you know, one of the things that many studies have found out about people who live the longest is that not only do they restrict their calorie intake typically to about 1,500 calories a day or less, they also dramatically limit their animal protein intake. And so Dr. Gundry understands that this won't work with everyone. So he has three alternatives to animal protein restrictions. And I'll go over these right now. Okay. The first one is that you follow the vegan version or the vegan version of the three-day cleanse from phase one each month for five days instead of three. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one is to try inter- what call- he calls intermittent fasting two days a week. So he recommends you do it like on Monday and Thursday. And that's where you drastically cut your calories to 500 to 600 calories a day and then you eat normally the rest of the week. Mm-hmm. You've had experience with that with the HCG diet. Yeah, that was like three weeks of cutting it to 500 calories a day. But his is a little bit different. And it's also partly to interrupt your metabolism by going for a certain stretch of time without any food. Yeah, so that's that's actually the third part. And that's where you go 16 hours without eating. Right. So a good example would be, let's say you eat dinner at 6 p.m. one day, and then the next day you eat brunch at 10 a.m. or... Let's say you have a late dinner at 8 and then you uh, fast until lunch the next day at noon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also in addition to these three phases, he has what's called the Keto Plant Paradox Intensive Care Program. And this is for people with diabetes, cancer, kidney failure, obesity, Parkinson's, Alzheimer's, or other life-threatening conditions. Okay. And this one's obviously stricter than the other phases, especially since you're eliminating more carbs and protein. But if you're handling obesity, diabetes, or kidney failure, and you can improve, 
pretty quickly, you can switch to phase two of the program instead of being on this the rest of your life, which is basically what he recommends for people with cancer or neurological or memory issues. All right. Yeah. Now, how can a pressure cooker help with this? A pressure cooker is an outstanding tool that you can use to remove lectins from certain foods. Really? Yeah. In particular, beans and other legumes, as well as grains, except for, again, wheat, barley, rye, and oats, which are always off limits because they contain gluten and gluten cannot be destroyed by a pressure cooker. Okay. So this includes something like lentils too. Yeah. And also the nightshades. So that includes tomatoes, eggplant, and peppers. Okay. Yeah. And again, you want to try to remove the seeds and skin first. Right. In addition to beans, you know, the legumes include your peas and like we just said, lentils, but also peanuts and cashews. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although I don't know how peanuts and cashews would fare in a pressure cooker. Well, I mean, they sometimes sell peanuts in these crock pots where they're warmed up. Those are so gross. I know. (laughs) I know. Now, as far as the pressure cooker, Dr. Gundry recommends that you wait until phase two to eat these foods, and then phase three, you introduce them more and more often. Okay. Yeah, and phase three, if I remember correctly, there's also this aspect of it where you can start adding in one at a time some of the foods that were eliminated to see what kind of a reaction that the person has. So that right. you know whether they can adapt to it or adjust to it or eat it or if they just have to keep it out of their diet. And in some people's cases, foods that they always had reactions to after going through the first two phases, if they add it back in in phase three, it isn't causing a reaction anymore. That's right. Yeah, I was really happy to see that you can also use non-GMO corn in the pressure cooker too, because that's part of one of my favorite recipes, the low country boil. Yep, that's great. Well, as far as pressure cookers are concerned, I highly recommend the Power Pressure Cooker XL, which you can get at Bed Bath & Beyond. The price is $160, but with that 20% off postcard that they mail out all the time or which you can download, that brings it down to $128. Very good. Yeah. So that includes cookbooks, measuring cup, steamer tray. And I actually have one myself. And the reason I recommend the largest size, which is 10 quarts, is because you can also cook a whole turkey in it in under an hour. And it comes out amazingly juicy and delicious. And you're a witness to that since I cooked one for us last year when you were in town. That's very true. Yeah. Although it doesn't have that browning that you want to have on a Thanksgiving turkey. So we'll have to figure something else out for that. Now, are there any well-known people that have followed Dr. Gundry's plan? Yes, three in particular. So I'm going to start with the singer Usher. Mm-hmm. He used the Plant Paradox program to drop 15 pounds to land a role in the movie Hands of Stone, which I saw. Mm -hmm. And he played the great boxer Sugar Ray Leonard, which when I was growing up, I idolized. He was the best. Mm -hmm. So 15 pounds doesn't sound like a lot of weight. But before trying this approach, he tried many other approaches with no success, including he tried the paleo diet. He did a gluten-free diet, a raw vegan diet. And that was with him working out like five to six hours a day. Wow. Yeah. And during this time, he actually met Sugar Ray Leonard, who told him he was too fat, despite the fact that you know, he was just, he, I mean, he's not a fat guy. He's 7% body fat. You know? Wow. I know. So luckily, Usher's agent uh, got a hold of the food list. And after simply eliminating the foods on the bad page and eating everything he wanted on the good page, he lost the weight he needed to land the part. That's amazing. I know. So you said there's three of them. That's one. Okay. 
Second one is the legendary life coach and business strategist, Tony Robbins. Ah, yes. Yeah. So he's been a patient of Dr. Gundry's for years and his health story is really fascinating, actually. He'd suffered from diabetes, heart disease, and kidney failure to the point that while he was in India, became so ill that he was set up for an urgent coronary bypass surgery. Yeah, so he contacted Dr. Gundry, who told him that he could help him avoid the surgery, which he actually did. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And so leading up to this, Tony was being treated by an Ayurvedic physician out there, and he ate traditional Indian food heavy on rice, legumes, and naan bread, which tend to produce the classic deli belly, also known as a beer belly, which he actually had. Mm-hmm. And as you can see, these were loaded with uh, lectins. Mm-hmm. These foods were, you know, recommended by the health gurus around him and were considered healthy, yet they were precisely the reason that he became so ill. So he went on the Plant Paradox program, and within a few weeks, his chest pain was gone, his blood sugar levels started to decline. He was improving, but unfortunately, his health kind of rollercoastered because every three months, he'd go to these festivals with monks, and they would eat this exact food again, which would mess him up. Hmm. So Dr. Gundry had him stop doing this and got all the monks as well as his Ayurvedic doctor to also follow the Plant Paradox program. He's been great health ever since. That's amazing. I know. All right. And now who's number three? Well, this one's really cool because this is the most recent one. And that's Kelly Clarkson. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. In fact, this made the news rounds everywhere this past week, including the Today Show and People Magazine. Did it really? Uh Uh-huh. So Kelly developed an autoimmune disease and thyroid condition in 2006, and as a result, she struggled with her weight and her health. Right. And so she read the Plant Paradox book and implemented the program, and as a result, she lost 37 pounds, which she said was actually a side effect. Hmm. And she said, and I'm going to be quoting her here, I know the industry loves the weight gone, but for me, it wasn't about the weight. For me, it was, I'm not on my medicine anymore. I don't really take medicine unless I absolutely need it. And then she also admitted that she didn't exercise while doing this, even though she knows that she should, but it still worked anyway. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. And that's funny that it just happened to make the news this past week when we were going to be doing this episode. Yeah. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Great stories. Yeah. Now, are there any recipe books for lectin-free cooking? If somebody reads the book and they want to change their lifestyle and want to eat more appropriately, do they just have to know the different things that are on the list and try and throw them together and make meals? Or is there a way that they can have recipes where they can make good dinners and desserts and things like that? Well, first of all, in the book itself, there's some really good recipes that he put together and he had some help with that. And I've already you know, made some of them and they're, they're pretty yummy. There's actually quite a few available books on lectin-free cooking at places like Amazon.com and Barnes and Noble. Mm-hmm. And Dr. Gundry actually authored the Plant Paradox Cookbook, which came out in April of this year, and it's available in hardcover as well as Kindle download. There's also the unofficial Plant Paradox Cookbook that looks pretty good. Okay. And there's also numerous lectin-free cookbooks and some nice pressure cooker cookbooks available too. Wow. Well, that'll give you some new things to try out. That's right. Very cool. Getting back to the recipes that I was mentioning, the one I like is the green smoothie, which makes an excellent breakfast. Mm -hmm. In fact, I had it for breakfast this morning and I use stevia and mint leaves from my organic garden. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
And since my new organic lemon tree isn't producing lemons yet, I use something that I learned about from Dr. Eric Berg, who has an apple cider vinegar drink recipe that I like, and I recommend to my patients too. He made me aware of a bottled 100% organic lemon juice that's hand harvested and juiced immediately from an Italian volcano in Sicily. And you can get this at your local health food store, including Nature's Food Patch next to my office. And it, it includes the juice of approximately 40 lemons for just $10. Wow. Yeah. So that's a great deal because organic lemons at Nature's run a dollar a piece. So you're paying about one fourth the cost and you don't have to take the time and effort to squeeze the juice out. Great point. I know that Elsa and Ron use that too. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. So if somebody wants to avoid lectins, They can probably do that while they're at home, but not everybody is going to be able to eat all three meals for the rest of their life at home. A lot of people end up going out to have a lunch with friends or a dinner with their family or they're traveling. So how can somebody avoid lectins when they eat out? Now, that is a great question because it's nearly impossible to control how foods are prepared and what ingredients are in them and when you're not the one preparing them when you're out. So... I mean, you just have to do your best in attempting to eat the foods on the say yes, please list and avoid the foods on the just say no list. But if it's impossible to do so, and these foods have bad lectins in them, then luckily you do have some pretty cool options in the form of supplements called lectin blockers. Dr. Gundry actually developed a supplement called Gundry MD Lectin Shield, which combines nine proven ingredients to absorb or block lectins from reaching your gut wall. And so what you do is you just simply take two of these before a meal that contain bad lectins. That's great. I love it when there's a simple solution like that. Yeah. Now, if you don't have access to this, you can take glucosamine sulfate with MSM in tablet form to also help absorb lectins. And my favorite supplement with these two ingredients along with chondroitin sulfate is called Ultraflex Forte from Hollywood Health Products. And I happen to sell this at my office. And I also recommend this for combating arthritis and restoring cartilage. Okay, great. And if you follow the blood type approach, Dr. Diodamo created a supplement called Deflect that has four variations, one for each blood type that specifically blocks the lectins that are most harmful for each blood type. Wow. Yeah. So if anybody's interested, we can include a link for that too. That would be great. Yeah. Definitely send that to me. Okay. All right. Is there anything else you'd like to say before we end? In addition to the problems with lectins, Dr. Gundry also references seven other deadly health disruptors, which have primarily occurred over the last 50 years. And these all happen to be things we have covered in previous podcast episodes. What are they? Well, I'll go ahead and name them, but I recommend reading more about them in the Plant Paradox book, as well as listening to our previous podcasts, which I'll reference when I list them. Okay. The first three that he goes over are medications. They're broad-spectrum antibiotics, uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs, and stomach acid blockers. And the one thing that all of these medications have in common is the net result of taking them is increased inflammation in the intestines leading to a higher risk for leaky gut syndrome. Antibiotics and antacids can also disrupt the balance between good and bad bacteria in the gut, weakening the immune system and leading to various other health conditions in addition to leaky gut syndrome. Hmm. So for more information on this, I recommend you listen to our episode number 26 on leaky gut syndrome. Absolutely. The fourth thing is artificial sweeteners. And we went over this in detail in episode 12 on artificial sweeteners. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then there's hormone disruptors. Now, these are low-dose estrogen-like chemicals found in most plastics, 
scented cosmetics, other personal care products like deodorants, antiperspirants, hand sanitizers, and toothpaste, as well as preservatives and sunscreens. So you can find out more about these in episode 21 on sunburn and sunscreens, as well as episode 25 on personal care products. Absolutely. Yeah. It's all kind of coming together here. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. Number six would be genetically modified foods and the herbicide Roundup. And we cover this in detail, especially one of the chemicals in Roundup called glyphosate in episode 23 on detoxification and episode 24 on autoimmune conditions. Right. Yeah. And by the way, I recently got my lab report back checking my glyphosate levels. All right. Well, how did that come out? They were actually pretty good. I talked to one of the lab techs and she told me that nearly everyone tests in the 75th percentile or higher, and I tested in the 50th percentile range. So that means my organic and clean eating is actually paying off. That's great. Yeah. I was really happy about that. Yeah. It's nice to see that. Yeah. And then the final one is constant exposure to blue light. This is also a new concern since we are now in the computer and smartphone age, and we go over this in detail in episode 17 on eye conditions. That's right. And as we were going through the book out here, I found that on something like an iPad, because I always read before I go to bed, and sometimes during the night when I get up, I'll be reading, and I use my iPad, and they have a way of putting a setting on it where at a specific time during the night up until a certain time during the day, that it changes it from having more of a blue light to more of a yellow light. That's true. And you can also have it set where you just turn the blue light off at all times. And that's what I did on my phone. Okay. Yeah. Very good. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Well, thank you for all of that information. It's very helpful. We recommend that everybody read the Plant Paradox book. It is a meaty book, so it will take you a little while to get through it, but it's very worthwhile. But go ahead and listen to this podcast again because it's got good information. And you never know, you might check with Dr. Ned because he may decide to do some workshops in his office to go over all the information on plant paradox with people to help them transition from their current diet to a healthier diet. Now, next week, we're going to go into a little bit more in the digestive tract and things that happen there. And we've been talking about things like leaky gut and some of the autoimmune conditions like Crohn's and celiac disease. But we're going to be talking about something a little different here. We're going to deal with some conditions, but one of the things we're going to focus on is stomach and stomach acid, because that has a lot to do with how well you digest your foods and whether you're going to get nutrients out of what you're eating. So that's going to be next week's topic. And then after that, we're going to go just way in another direction and talk about traveling and traveling-related conditions and illnesses and things like that. So thanks for joining us. Thanks again, Steve, for all the great information. You bet. And we'll talk again next week. Thanks for joining us this week on the Body Chat Podcast. We both really appreciate your time and your attention. We want to provide you with interesting and informative episodes each week and if you have a topic you'd like us to cover or any questions you'd like us to answer, send an email to us at info at bodychatpodcast.com. That's info at bodychatpodcast.com. To make sure you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, subscribe to the Body Chat Podcast now on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or Spotify. See you next week. Music.